0: Produced by Podcast Architects.
1: Welcome to Cardona's Corner. Today, we're going to be discussing the current crisis around fentanyl, vaping, and other drug uses. Parents, you're not going to want to miss this episode.
2: Dr. Cardona, thank you for having Chief Stanridge, Officer Hippolito here with us today to discuss a very important topic. What prompted this discussion centered on drugs and fentanyl, vaping, and
1: a lot of harmful things that are going on in the community? Uh, thanks, Rick, for the question. I think a couple of things. Uh, over the last six years that I've been here, I've seen an increase in the number of uh, students, um, particularly younger students in middle school and you know freshmen, sophomores, uh, making decisions about either possessing or giving you know, vape, uh, pills, uh, prescription drugs, whatever the case may be. Um, and I don't understand, I don't think they understand the consequences of their action, that some of these things are, are state jail felonies, they're they're serious in nature. Uh, and then on top of that, our neighbors to the north uh, have had some serious issues with students and fentanyl overdoses uh, that have led to some tragic events for families that they're dealing with. Uh, and so I just felt that you know, after school safety discussion, this is as equally important a topic to discuss. And so why not have it now?
2: You know, it, it prompted me to do some research and look in my own backyard in Fair with, with my school age children, and it's scary. And, uh, you know, Officer Hippolito, what are you seeing out in Hayes County in terms of fentanyl and the damage it's doing to families?
3: Yeah, just like Dr. Cardona mentioned, Hayes CISD alone has had four students that have passed away since Absolutely. July. Wow. It's insane. One is way too many, but when you have four, we seriously need to get together and start collaborating and educating and and, and working together to enforce to get these drug dealers off the street. And so, obviously, I'm not a, I'm a doctor, but not that type of doctor.
2: Uh, so I like to play one on TV. So, to my understanding, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, usually uh, administered by doctors to relieve pain, um, particularly cancer pain. Uh, but the influx of it, and from what I'm reading, um, there are a lot of the precursors are sold out of China, flows into different parts of the world, and then makes its way here. Uh, What was alarming to me is just the access that it's now in the hands of kids, and it's even looking like candy. Um, So, Chief Stammer, I want to throw this one to you. From a macro component of the city of San Marcos, how is this affecting your work?
0: I think it's important to recognize that these drugs do not discriminate by demographic, um, and that includes the age demographic. So uh, internally, we've been evaluating, especially as it relates to our children, uh, the age that we have seen has been between 14 and 18 years of age. But if I'm a parent, I can't scratch this off as something I don't need to listen to. And the reason being is how many siblings are in the home that could be affected by one of these pills. And the tragedy is, from the macro perspective, these pills are actually being marketed to be very uh, appealing to young children, to the point they look similar to like a skittles as an example sometimes referred to as rainbow so it's going to affect all of us regardless of age Um, and so I would encourage every parent to recognize that this podcast is for you if you have kiddos at home all the way through college please tune in and hear what we have to say
2: now from just a handling perspective I was watching some YouTube videos and that can be dangerous right you go down those rabbit holes but uh, I've been noticing some videos of even an officers trying to handle it and it gets in the skin, the bloodstream, and there's an immediate reaction. Uh, are there types of training that you guys are, are going through to make sure everyone is handling it appropriately? Or if, if you do happen upon it, um, you've, you can intervene and do it safely from an from a officer perspective. Um, Chief, I'll throw that one to you.
0: So let's back up for a second. Sure. Um, let's recognize that fentanyl is a legal opiate, a drug, that let's say if I had to go to the hospital today and I was admitted for any type of surgery, I may be administered this drug. So then why all the, the concern about this? What you're actually seeing is you're taking this uh, legal drug and in countries outside the United States and you are pressing fentanyl into a pill and you're doing so in a manner that uh, you have no regard for the concentration. And so you're taking a pill, let's just use a Percocet as an example of some of the things that we've seen locally with law enforcement. They're taking a Percocet pill, and they're pressing the fentanyl onto the pill. This is not done in a chemical laboratory. Instead, it's very haphazard. So any given pill could have a lethal dosage of fentanyl, and you as a consumer would never know it. And I also want to combat another myth. The concern is from parents, well, these kids don't know what they're taking. Oh, yes, they do they're taking these pills because they know they're laced with fentanyl. And what they're doing is they're taking the pills and they're slicing them into slivers, and they'll take a sliver at a time. If they reach that euphoric condition based upon a small sliver, then they're gonna take the next one. But what they don't recognize, is because these pills are improperly pressed with this very lethal dosage, the second sliver from a single pill can prove to be lethal.
2: And what are the, the symptoms that are occurring once that, that lethal overdose starts to happen? And from what I can tell, it's it's the breathing, it inhibits your breathing, but, but Officer Hippolito, what are you seeing out there from some of the symptoms of, of overdoses?
3: Yeah, so their breathing starts to slow pretty much immediately, uh, constricted pupils clammy skin, just a variety of different symptoms that you would see when you take a regular painkiller like morphine or, uh, or Valium. So it's just much, much stronger. We're talking hundred, hundred hundred, times stronger than uh, a morphine. Wow. It's, it, it's, it, it's insane. And it's hard to grasp how powerful this drug is.
2: Wow. So, I mean, anyone that's had any type of minor surgery or major surgery, you know, you, you get a little bit of a drip, a morphine drip, or you have a couple of, of pills to try to take the edge off the pain to imagine a hundred times more. I mean, I've, you know got a root canal and you go feel you feel loopy for, for a few hours after that so I can't imagine the power of that and just the a slight misstep with that could really be uh, fatal. Um, Dr. Cardona as we work through uh, this this kind of pandemic of fentanyl coming into uh, Texas what do kids need to be most aware of as they're going through the hallways Halloween coming up in a month what are some things you want the, your kids to be thinking about?
1: I think kids and parents need to be very cognizant of having conversations with each other about what they're seeing. I mean, we have avenues, the city, the county have avenues to report um, activity um, that, they, that they can utilize. But I think first and foremost, uh, we have to impress to the kids that this is, this is a life or death matter. Um, don't take anything from anybody unless you know where it comes from. You referenced uh, candy. We used to have these conversations uh, in the '80s and '90s. Yep. You know, our parents would tell us the same thing. You know, back then we didn't have this. It wasn't so prevalent. It's, it wasn't so easy to get. Uh, and I think that kids need to self-advocating early on. You know, if it, if it doesn't feel right, um, don't take it. If they are needing to seek something like this out, we have avenues. Uh, within the district. We have social emotional counselors uh, at every secondary school. We have great partnerships with the city and the county, with Scheib Center. We have telehealth uh, for parents to access, so kids don't have to feel like they need a narcotic uh, in order to alleviate some some trauma that they're feeling. Uh, They're not in this alone. This is why our board committed resources to support students, um, their social emotional, their mental health, and now their physical safety. Uh, and then again, just um, keep the lines of communication open. You know, if they see something or hear something, uh, kids don't have any rights. You know, they don't they don't have a job, they don't pay their own, I mean, they don't have rights. Parents need to, in this day and age, exert their right over their student um, to see what's going on uh, social media wise, um, social media posts um, that reference these kinds of things. And parents need to report it. You know, we can only do things about things we know. If we don't know there's nothing that we can do and they don't have to just notify the school we have a great relationship with the hayes county and with the city of san Marcos police department where we work in tandem to to try and prevent these tragedies
2: you know one thing i think you'll agree with me on this is that in every school uh, unfortunately there's probably a little bit of activity um, when it comes to to drugs and narcotics But I've yet to run into a situation where the kids didn't know where it was coming from, right? So if you wanted to send a message to the kids about being a good friend, being a good uh, uh, citizen of the community, what should they do if they know, hey, you know, somebody's involved in something that could potentially be fatal for another student, one of my friends, uh, and I don't want that to happen.
1: I I think they can hear. We have uh, two school resource officers uh, that they can report to that are great resources for our kids. Um, numerous counselors and teachers, we have mechanisms here at the campus, uh, that protect their privacy, but report it right. and let us, you know, you're not going to be, uh, faulted for trying to protect someone's health and safety.
2: And they can do it anonymously. Correct. correct. So then there's a lot, there's always, you know, hey, snitches get stitches and all that. So. Correct. <laughs> we do have mechanisms to report things Excellent. anonymously. Excellent. Uh, From a parent perspective, so if there are, are there warning signs out there? Like if a a student is acting or behaving a certain way, and uh, Officer Hippolyta, I'll I'll kick this one to you. What should the warning signs, what should a parent be looking
3: for? You know, as a parent, you know your kids better than anybody else, right? So I would just take note of of their behaviors on a daily basis. Are they sleeping too uh, longer than usual? Are they acting up at school where they normally don't? Are there grades starting to fall? So there's numerous, um, I think even the school districts have numerous ways to, and checks and balances um, with, uh, with the students to be able to alert the parents if they're seeing something. So it's a matter of being, uh, being a team, being a family, working together with uh, the parents and the school district.
2: Chief, is there anything from the, the global perspective of the city, uh, things that you wanna message or get out there in terms of fentanyl, just so it's a collective effort um, to, to combat this problem?
0: Yeah, so I would, this is analogous, I actually heard this analogy recently, I think last week. The people that are selling these pills that are laced, that are pressed with fentanyl, they're doing so knowing that any particular pill could be lethal. So that is akin to, if I'm the supplier, I go pay a person to stand in front of a house and shoot at the house randomly. I just want you to shoot at the house and put as many bullets in the house. You may or may not hit somebody. You may or may not kill somebody. This is exactly analogous to these pills. These pills are being knowingly sold to juvenile populations, college kids, again, it knows no demographic. Uh, It's akin to literally shooting into a home and you may or may not kill somebody. So I wanna go back to some of the previous answers. We, we talk about in law enforcement a lot of times. You have to inspect what you expect. If we expect our kids to be drug-free, then I agree with our superintendent, we need to start inspecting. Do I trust my kids? Yes. But given the remarkable peer pressure they're under right. and the desire to escape some of what their environment presents, um, I've got to begin to inspect. So, again, since my kiddo has no right of privacy inside my home or inside my cars, I'm going to inspect. I'm going to be looking for these things. I'm going to be looking for vaping instruments. I am going to be looking for a uh, loose bag marijuana or bagged marijuana. I'm going to be looking for pills. Any type of pill should immediately alarm you. And if you come across those things, first of all, I would recommend you don some type of a glove before you process it and then notify law enforcement.
2: Absolutely. Um, Chief, you bring up another bane of administration is vaping. And so, Dr. Cardona, I'll kick this one to you. How prevalent is vaping in schools and how do you combat it? Um, I know it's hard as a former high school principal. It's very difficult to do. But what are some of the things that you can do uh, as a school district to combat it? Uh, You know,
1: for us, we we are fortunate to have uh, several hall monitors. We have numerous staff. This campus is well staffed. What we, we don't have the ability to do is, is inspect in the restrooms to right. respect the privacy of young men and young women. And so we need for our student leaders to step up. I mean, we, that's what we really need. Yep. I mean, we need for our kids to take ownership of this campus and say that this is not what we expect to happen on our campus. Uh, and again, you're right. You know, kids have um, this belief that they're infallible to, to certain things. Uh, and even the vape, we're seeing some, some serious negative effects uh, went to an American Heart Association presentation about the effects of vaping on the chemical body, on the physical nature of what happens to young kids, uh, and and their blood chemistry, and uh, it's alarming. Um, and again, I would say I would echo what Chief and what Officer Hippolito has said. You know, you need to inspect as parents. I'm asking you, as a parent myself, uh, I'm asking you to inspect what your kids are bringing home, uh, and if they are bringing home something, handle it with care. And notify the school immediately. If if it's a weekend, notify the police, the the county. Um, we we do communicate with each other uh, because that's the next wave. And and you know if you're 17 years old and you're looking to go to college and you take one of these vape pens and it contains something that you don't know where you're getting it from. It can change your life instantly, and it can put something on your record that you can't get rid of. So if I'm a
2: parent, my kid makes a poor choice and my kid comes home, I, I got in trouble for vaping. So I, I run up here as a parent, say, come on, come on, doc. I mean, it's, it's just bubblegum smoke. Um, what is the, the consequences for vaping on campus? And, and what also can you tell a parents like, Hey, it's not just bubblegum smoke. There's a lot of harmful health side effects. So first the consequences, Dr. Cardona, what am I getting slap on the wrist?
1: you're depending on on the vape and what's in the vape right it's thc you're gonna you oh yeah potentially face at this point uh being arrested if you're old enough and if there's enough quantity that's for the police to determine sure uh, but from the district you're going to get as harsh a punishment sent being sent to alternative center uh, as you can um, i think we're going to probably have conversations counselors are going to be having conversations with parents around counseling as a side effect of this um or seeking counseling Uh, there's a reason why kids are doing what they're doing. Um, Some may think it's akin to just a bubble gum. It's not. Right. Uh, And they're going to find out pretty quickly that their life can change.
2: Officer Hippolito, are you seeing anything uh, other than just the flavored smoke being transmitted via vape pens? What else is out there that kids are getting into?
3: No, it's just not uh, the tobacco. He mentioned the the THC levels, um, and we've seen it more and more um the kids are getting it's more and more accessible um again we don't like to put handcuffs on kids if we don't if we don't have to sure. right so the first um most of the districts within hayes county the first time that you get caught with the thc pen um you're probably not going to go to jail um you're more than likely going to get a possession of drug paraphernalia citation and we're going to move forward um because when you know we don't want to throw kids in the criminal justice sure. system just to do that right right um because not um but the second time around, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna get a ride because you know we just can't we we've given you a chance once, um, but again we work with the school administrator our SROs work with the school administration uh, on a daily basis because because these vape pens are seen on a daily basis so those conversations are had and um, we want to make sure that we're working hand in hand with the, the principals and the admin at each school.
0: Yeah, if I could add to that, I think for many parents, maybe even grandparents. When they think of THC, they're not even really quite sure what that is. So let's start with it's the psychoactive chemical compound found within marijuana. But this is not your parents. This is not your grandparents' marijuana. Let's talk about potency. Your potency, uh, 60s and 70s marijuana, would average between 6, 7 percentile. Today, if you're smoking it via a THC type of a liquid, your concentration your potency could be as high as 90 percentile. Oh, my goodness. So uh, that's our really our message today. The things that the kids are dealing with today, and mind you, they're doing it willfully and knowingly, are so much more lethal than they, you were as a parent or a grandparent dealing with in the 60s and 70s. The game has changed, mm-hmm. and the game can absolutely be fatal.
2: So that brings up a, a good point. I remember late 80s, 90s there was a lot um, a lot of messaging right we had the dare program uh, because that's when some of the harder drugs came out and really hit the scene Uh, and then i felt like we had a little bit of a lull within the 2000s it wasn't so prevalent um, or i didn't feel like it was obviously you know things happen and kids make bad choices but from from here moving forward what are the programming the messaging something akin to dare is there anything within the city or the county uh, that kids or parents can get involved in if they wanna learn more?
3: Hayes County uh, Sheriff's Office, we don't have we don't have the D.A.R.E. program yet. I know a lot of parents have reached out to see if we can start something like that again. But again, we have SROs in every middle school and every high school within the county. Um, and they do a great job um, mentoring these kids uh, and talking to the kids that they know are, are involved with it or could potentially be involved with it. Um, so they reach out to those kids, have those crucial conversations, work with admin um, on a daily basis to try to figure out what's the best way. How we, how can we reach these kids? Is is it to bring them in the gym as an assembly, or is it to, to to reach out to a specific group, a booster club, or what have you to have those conversations?
0: I would add to that. I think today's issues there there's just a myriad of issues. They're not going to be solved through social programs. They're going to be solved through relationship. Mm-hmm. And first of all, that relationship has to begin with you as the parent, the grandparent, the legal guardian. It also has to extend to us because we represent the guardians when they're outside of your care and custody. Mm -hmm. And so I would submit to you the, the success of the school resource officer program will never be found in a program. It's going to be found in that relationship. These kids get to know the school resource officers and vice versa. And through that relationship, we would hope to emulate the behavior that we would want. And so my encouragement to all of us is, we all have a seat at this table. We all have to become involved. Nobody gets a pass on this.
2: You know, I love to hear you say that. Uh, I had always had great officers, particularly in Houston ISD. I mean, we had, we had three at North Forest High School at all times. And they were extension of our, of our family, extension of our counseling staff, extension of our, our mentee program. Uh, I couldn't do it without them. So to hear, to hear that the relationship is, is there, and I know um, sometimes there's that you know, the gray area between, well, I'm here to enforce the law, but I'm also here you know, to serve kids and trying to, trying to manage both of those. Um, I think that's what it's gonna take is like you said, those relationships are powerful. And uh, our officers played a big, big part in helping our kids make good decisions, right? And, and mentoring them through some of the ups and downs that we ultimately had. Um, so I do thank you for that, and that, that's great to hear. Um, so Dr. Cardona, parents' worst nightmare. I'm cleaning my child's room. I find something that looks very suspicious or that I know is, is not good. I want to let the school know so my student can get help, um, but I'm nervous about the outcomes uh, in terms of, either are they going to jail, are they getting suspended, what's going to happen? What's your advice to a parent in a situation like that?
1: I would say they need to reach out to the school. You know, what, what, we wanna work in partnership uh, with our families. Um, and if they are trusting us, um, then they need to come up to school and trust that we are not going to involve uh, the police. I'm, I'm sure if, if there are certain things, we might have to um, get them involved. But typically, you know, the SROs will defer to administrative action. Uh, and then obviously we're going to get counselors involved. You know, our, our goal, if parents are coming to us, uh, is to work together to address what is driving a student to want to bring these things or to have them at home. Uh, and then that will involve conversations with the student between administration and, and as an informational item with the police initially, you know, it, it looks different if the students, delivering right items, but we don't want parents to find something and not feel like they can't come to the school to solve that problem. We're not going to punish a kid if a parent finds something at home and brings it to our attention. We're going right. to do everything we can to get the kid help uh, and guide and coach them along the way. And then, you know, ask what guidance we can provide support we can provide uh, for that parent.
2: That's That's got to be reassuring for parents. I know I remember when, when in Katy, you know, all, a lot of our kids would go hunting and fishing on the weekends, and they'd come back, and sometimes they'd have a mm-hmm. filet knife or something, you know, in in their pockets. And I, at the beginning of the year, it's like, if you self-report, you make a mistake, you bring it to me, we take care of it. It's usually, hey, I appreciate it. Let's leave it at home. Let me get your parents to pick it up. There was always a, a, an easier route um, because – we know you're trying to do the right thing. And likewise, I know if a parent's doing that, you understand that they're trying to figure out a way to get their, their students some help. So reassuring for parents to hear. Chief, from a law enforcement perspective, if a parent self-reports, what, how does your team play into that?
0: I think it's important to recognize that the officers who are chosen to work on campuses are very unique. Um, not everybody who is qualified Uh, should serve on a campus as a school resource officer. Uh, The ones who are actually chosen from the ranks undergo extensive training. And specifically, they undergo training on what we call restorative justice. That's the concept behind a child that's being accused of a crime. How do we make that child and the family unit whole? Mm -hmm. Our first option is likely not going to be, well, let's just incarcerate the kid. Let's take him to juvenile detention center. So absent it being an assaultive offense or some type of a gun offense, what we're going to likely do, just like Dr. Codona said, is we're going to put that child through the lens of what's the least harmful solution. How do we restore this child? So if you're a parent struggling with do I notify or do I not, especially as it relates to these very lethal drugs, please err on the side of caution. Notify us. We will work with you. We will work with the school district we're not trying to fill up JDC with more kids, right? right. I mean, that's not, that's not gonna work.
2: So chief, if I can paraphrase, you're, you're addressing the root cause of the situation in partnership with the school district and with parents and, and ultimately with the students. And I think that is where we all need to be thinking about is what's the root of the issue, right? Um, not what's the punitive and then we've never addressed the root, um, especially with kids, you know, kids are gonna make mistakes. It just It just happens and we all did as use. Um, speaking of mistakes, social media. How do, how do parents and really even educators, how do we approach social media? Um, because I'm the worst about saying, well, in my day, I'm, I'm now the old guy on the lawn. You know, like, I never thought I'd be that guy, but I am. Uh, when, your, when your kids bring you problems and I'm like, well, you know, you just do it this way. But in reality, I didn't have to deal with any of that scrutiny. I didn't have to, If I made one mistake, it was only the people in the, in the vicinity that were aware of that mistake. And maybe a little word of mouth, but, you know, nowadays kids make a mistake or, or information is, is uh, given across the internet, it can go viral. So what should parents be looking for in terms of social media? And I'll ask our, our deputy on the street, <laughs> Officer Hippolito, to take that one.
3: Social media is here, right? It's been here for several years and it's not going anywhere. We have to embrace it. Um, as a parent um, chief mentioned it earlier about inspecting right be nosy your kids don't have rights we've mentioned it a few times here on this podcast inspect your kids phones have 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 rules set screen time Um, be nosy that's that's the the bottom line is to be nosy um, and be involved in your kid's life have those crucial conversations with your children because these drugs that we, we were talking about are being sold via social media there's a wide variety Of social media apps now that i don't even know all of them there's facebook and snapchat Uh, the big one now is instagram Um, they're using um, these social media outlets to to buy and sell these drugs so it's on you as a parent it's on us as officers to educate and uh, to have those conversations with not only um the kids but anybody and everybody that's willing to listen
2: and even with the TikTok challenges i mean last year i remember uh, there were some issues with one of the challenges was destroy something in the bathroom right and you are getting all of these kids all over the mm-hmm. all over the state just for no reason causing destruction and dr cardono what's the message to students about social media and doing some of these things that just are just bad
1: decisions i think for kids the the message is to to not react you know we all get emotional on social media like we like to see the likes we like to it does something to us to, to put something out and then to get a response, uh, from maybe somebody in a different part of the country. But I think we need, we need our kids to, uh, take a step back, um, have some maturity about what it is that they're seeing. If they see things, uh, again, they need to report it to us. Uh, we need to get better as adults, as, as, as deputy Ippolito said, like, it's, it's not going anywhere, you know, uh, Districts are using social media now to promote. And so we, we as adults have to get better at also not reacting, but reporting uh, things that don't feel right. Right. Um, And if it doesn't feel right, you need to report it. If it involves destroying property, you know, hurting another person, um, taking a puff of a certain vape pen. Like we're just in a day and age where these things can, can cause some serious lifelong damage.
2: No doubt, and uh, you know, a lot for a couple of years ago, with bullying was the big, the big push, and a lot of it being done via social media. Um, but there's a lot out there for kids to digest, and really a lot for parents to catch up to. So, I mean, I appreciate that you guys are taking steps for your students, your staff, and the community to really ensure that there's a, a high level of partnership around safety.
0: Only thing I would add to that is even as a parent myself, there's probably no way that I can actually keep up to the level of adeptness as my kids on social media. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is if your kids are still on a campus, there's a microcosm of 2,000 other kids teaching them which app to use, how to use it, does it work, does it not work? There's no way I can keep up with that. So if I'm looking to intercept my child's behaviors, I need to look at the actual behavior. I think too often we sometimes say, well, we've got to be involved in their social media life. I guarantee you, as soon as your kid gives you access to one social media app, they've probably already launched another app that they didn't even tell you about that exists on their phone. My encouragement to you is to recognize that you won't always be able to intercept it on social media. Instead, look for other intersection points. Look at their behaviors, and again, go back and inspect what you expect. In other words, start looking in their rooms, start looking in their cars and actually look for these items.
2: I think one of, the, one of the things I'm hearing is you gotta be heavily involved and heavily aware of what's going on in your kid's life. And that doesn't stop from the time, you know obviously that they're born to the time, hopefully they're off the payroll and out of the house. <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely evolving very fast for, for parents and for, for kids and the life that they're having to lead uh, with all the influence out there. So again, I really appreciate the partnering and that's that's huge for this community because you don't always get that you guys know this I mean it's not always a a great relationship between entities in the school district and and everybody pulling in the same way so uh, kudos to all of you for doing that. Chief let me start with you. When you were fifth grade show and tell. And they said what are you going to be when you grow up. How did you get to police chief I want I want to hear a little bit of the story.
0: So my background is one of remarkable poverty. Uh, my father was an alcoholic, and so all I remember are cycles of employment and unemployment. And it was just a, a childhood that I wanted to escape from. Okay. And so I did just that. Within 30 days of graduating high school, I was in the armed forces and uh, was sent overseas for two years and then came back stateside. And when I got back stateside, um, in those last two years of my enlistment, I somewhat knew that law enforcement would be a good calling for me. It was akin to what I was doing in the military. And so I applied, and my first day on the job at the, in the police academy was January 10th in 1995. Where at? In Abilene, Abilene, Texas. All right. And if you had told me that uh, 13 and a half years later I'd be a very young police chief, I would have said you were lying. Um, being a police chief wasn't on my horizon. But um, I felt called to uh, be service. A lot of people say, oh, I felt called to lead. Sure. I would submit to you that leadership is service. I felt called to serve. And so I served at every opportunity and then had the opportunity to become Abilene's police chief and served there for 11 years as their chief. And now I'm going on my second year here in San Marcos. It's been a remarkable ride only in the fact that I learned something new every day. I wish I had all the answers. I don't have any of the answers. <laughs> so I continue to strive.
2: So when did you know, though? Like, I'm sure at some point you're, you're thinking, all right, maybe I'd like to do this. Or like most kids, I mean, I didn't even know. When I was in college, I had no clue. To, even after I graduated, it took a while. So when did you know?
0: Honestly, I didn't know definitively that I wanted to be a police officer until I was in the military, actually. okay. Um, actually i wanted to go into uh air force academy i went through the academic testing i went through the physical testing made all of that and then they disqualified me medically because i had childhood asthma one of the more treatable things you can have and they Uh. um, would not allow me to move forward and so at that point i was like okay the military is not the route for me and so law enforcement came into my crosshairs Um, and really, all I wanted to do is I wanted to get on SWAT and be on SWAT and live the Hollywood life. <laughs> I, I would have told you that, hey, SWAT would be the fulfillment of my career. And it, it was for about a decade. And then I just felt called to continue serving.
2: Now, did you go watch the movie SWAT when it came out with Samuel L. Jackson?
0: Once or twice well, or three <laughs> times? <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned you have, you have a son, Yes. Uh, why we're a blended family, okay. we actually have seven kids. So I'm not just speaking theoretically today. We're speaking from the experience of seven kiddos.
2: So, so you have seven kids, and they have a police chief as a dad. How, how does that go down when when there's mistakes made at the household? Like, is it like, all right, we 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 can't do anything because dad's gonna know, or, or is it like, eh, maybe we can get around dad a little bit? Is there any specific one of the seven that's good at getting around some of the rules?
0: So we're empty nesters. Ah! Yeah, I'm, I'm of that age. Um, we actually have two grandkids, and I'll tell you, the grandkids call me chief. And so um, they know I'm, I'm a rule of law kind of guy who lives in grace. Ah, uh, I okay. know that sounds like a juxtaposition. But yeah. really not. Um, I believe firmly in the rule of law. Whenever there's a doubt, go back, what does the actual law say about this situation? Sure. And then how can I apply it through grace? That's kind of how I process everything, so I think our kiddos would tell you that uh, I extend lots of grace with pretty high expectations of them and of myself.
2: I would be, you know, as a former principal, assistant principal, and Dr. Codona, you weigh on this one, how would it feel if, if Chief's son was like, ah oh, broke the rules, I got a call, do I really want to call Chief, or are we going to
1: well i would say that it's the way i've always handled it when i had the (laughs) superintendent's kid as a former assistant principal or police chief i would handle them as anybody else i would handle them uh as we would any parent they would get no special uh rights uh they would go through the system i think we lead with what what is the sure what is the policy and then you know how do we show grace to kids and in actually getting to why they're doing what they're doing and so i've been in that situation where We had both police chief and superintendent's kids uh, in my school. And I think if you were to ask them, they would say they treated our our family no differently than they treated anybody else uh, with grace and love and high expectations for behavior. And when they messed up, they gave them a a hug while they were disciplining them.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Kids are going to make mistakes.
2: There's no doubt. Officer Hippolito. All right. (laughs) You wanted to be, let me guess, baseball player.
3: I did a little bit of that, but the law enforcement side, I grew up in, in, in and around law enforcement. Okay. Um, my dad was an officer for the Austin Police Department for about 30 years. Oh, wow. Um, and I, can, I don't remember this, but there's a picture of me pinning his badge on the day he graduated the academy really? back in 1979. Me and my, my mother was holding me. Do you remember how old you were? I was three going on four cool yeah so um I, going through some pictures i saw that and uh so i grew up around it right so every day i saw my dad leave in his uniform or come home um, working um, a variety of hours a variety of assignments so i grew up around it and i've always looked up to officers for for the obvious reasons right um so um, as i continue to grow it's something that uh, it's in my blood um, my brother's also a hayes county deputy i have several cousins that work for travis county so it's in the family's blood, blood our genes um, I graduated high school, um, and I knew Austin PD required a certain amount of college hours. So that was my goal. I'm going to reach that goal, and I'm going to apply. So, And uh, at age 21, I applied, and uh, at age 22, I was in the academy. And uh, I graduated in 1998, and I have a picture of my dad pin- pinning my badge on. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's, it's cool. So, and, and, and I was able to work with him for about 10 years before he retired. Um, so being able to take 911 calls with him on patrol uh, was fun. It's an experience I'll never forget.
2: Now, did he correct you in anything along that that pathway? He, of course, he did. Like, like, right? like your dad coaching you, I played basketball, so I was always like oh, if my dad would coach me, that would have been oil and water, right yeah.
3: there. Yeah. So not only did I have a field training officer, <laughs> did you there, have to hear about some I things? Had, that, I heard about it all the, the time. Table? Right? So yeah, but at the end of the day, he's looking out for me, right? You yeah, know? absolutely. So um, I always respected that and. Uh, I had a lot of officers that I looked up to uh, growing up, so it's something I always wanted to do.
2: What would you tell kids that are interested in, one of the things that I I think is highly valuable is, you know, leaders in the community like like you and Chief, what would you tell kids about what you do, the sacrifice you make, and why is it worthwhile if they're even a little bit interested in being a police officer?
3: So that's another value of these SRO officers, deputies inside these schools. Um, to be able to be that mentor. So um, we do this every day, especially in our unit. I work in the community outreach unit. And every day that I'm at a school or at an event, these kids are coming up to me. They, they, they still look up to us. Um, so being able to have those, develop those relationships, as Chief mentioned earlier, at that early age and getting inside these schools, even at elementary school, and having those conversations with them, um, even if it's just handing them a sticker um, as they're walking through a coffee shop, is just to, to be a, that positive role model on a daily basis and, and live the life the way you're supposed to live it. Chief, what
2: about you? Any, if there's young people out there that are like, you know what, this seems like I wanna serve. I wanna, I wanna better my community. What should they be considering or thinking about?
0: So I think the national narrative right now is this is the worst time to be a law enforcement officer. But here in San Marcos, Hays County, we think this is actually the best time to become a professional guardian. And I say that intentionally for several reasons. Uh, first of all, it's our natural nature to be somewhat uh, cynical, pessimistic. We always point out the negative. I did it as a kid, I still do it as an adult. Mm-hmm. We always want to point out what's wrong with the world versus what can we actually do to help solve these issues and so, if you want to actually be a problem solver, if you want to be part of a team that does a phenomenal amount of service in the course of a career, then Professional policing is absolutely the best place to come. You will work with a ton of autonomy. You'll also work with a lot of great people, building effective teams. And it's not an exaggeration to say that every day you'll have an opportunity to serve someone else. Yep. It's a very high calling. And I wish more people were called to this profession because I would submit to you this is the time to become a guardian.
2: Yeah, I think. You know, it's been a a rough couple of years, there's no doubt, and we need, Like, and I know you'll back me up on this, our officers were so important and are so important, not only inside our schools, but our community. I mean, we cannot function without them. I mean, there was many a time where I could not either connect with a kid or I couldn't get information that that we needed from a kid, I couldn't help a kid, and our officers could, because there was a different relationship there right? And that took time for them to develop. It wasn't, oh, well, they're an officer, they're a person of influence, so it's easier for them. No, that was a a bunch of time put in to our kids and our kids' families, for that matter. Um, So again, very excited and and very happy to hear that the partnership that's that's happening here in San Marcos. Um, Dr. Cardona, who do you think out of our two (laughs) officers here did better in their physical conditioning test the first time that they took it? No comment. You got to pick somebody. You
3: got to pick somebody. Chief's a SWAT guy, so I'll. Uh,
2: I'll get to I would obvious. go. <laughs> I would
1: go with. I would actually. I would agree with Chief. You are You going, Chief? I would go with Chief. Yes, if he's a SWAT guy, I know what these SWAT guys have been through. He's probably in great shape. He's just in a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was dip- a very superintendent answer of you, just
3: the <laughs> diplomatic right there. Man. I did pass SWAT school back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> what uh,
2: What was the first citation you gave, Officer Hippolito? Do you remember? Oh. And were you nervous?
3: <sighs> yes. yes. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit that I've, I've, I've been scared, right? Yeah. We're human. So we always try to humanize the badge. Um, yeah, I do get scared, not only in traffic stops, but when I go sure. to, to an alarm call at two in the morning. Absolutely. Uh, the goosebumps and the, the hair stand up on your arm or the back of your neck, you trust your instincts, but you signed up to serve and you signed up to, uh, to protect and you answer the call. So the first sight, uh, man, I don't even know. Speed and ticket? Yeah, probably. You know, when you're, when you first come out, that's your job, right? You have a training officer and you try to make as many contacts as you can. And it probably was a speech ticket probably.
2: <laughs> it was probably a, a superintendent racing, racing to a board meeting <laughs> to some degree, right? Could have been. Well, um, gentlemen, I think this has been a great episode, particularly for our parents and, and our students. And so I, I thank you for your time. I thank you gentlemen, both for your service. And that means the world to us that um, not only who have kids in public schools, but to our community as well. And. Um, couldn't be more proud and, and honored that you guys are here working with Dr. Cardona, who's a mentor and friend of mine. So thank you for that.
3: Thanks for having us. Got thank you.
1: Produced by
2: Podcast Architects.